You're listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Hey, Colorado Springs, this is Jenny Bayless, and I am back with an interview um, with one of our investors, Garrett Dilly. Garrett, how's it going? Very good. How about you, Jenny? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing your experience. We really appreciate it. And I think that you're going to have a lot of really good pieces of advice for our audience. So thank you. Thank you for the invite. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your investment journey. Um, Just kind of, you know, properties, uh, you know, you're in the Colorado Springs area, how long you've been investing and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah. So um, I think if I if I look back in terms of when I got started in real estate, it was it was back around the the uh, bank crash uh, right after that. Um, but I at the time I was acting as a uh, as a lender for uh, a flipper um, in Denver uh, that I happened to have a friend that was part of that development company. Uh, fast forward to mid 2000s 2000 well 2017 ish i guess um i was really looking for an opportunity 2015 2016 to get into rental properties and wanted to to uh consider the best way to do that first thing i did there was what a lot of people would do uh which is take my single family that we lived in at the moment um and when we moved to a new house actually turn that first one into a rental property. It was in a very good area. Uh, it made a lot of sense. It was a an area that was bringing more uh, amenities in and, and people really wanted to live there. So it made sense to, to do that. And that kind of got the journey of the rental properties kicked off. Um, since then, I've added uh, some additional properties and uh, specifically um, focused most of my uh, investing here in Colorado Springs area. That's great. And I know that you worked with Envision on the acquisition of, you know, the the later half of your portfolio. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of like your story a lot because you bought them around similar times. So we can kind of compare the mixture of single family and multifamily. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because of that, there is um, some more direct comparisons uh, that can be made when you think about cash flow and things like that. So it's good. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I know we, um, you know, kind of, kind of got these properties like during, you know, where you have to pledge like, your firstborn for, uh, for, <laughs> to get it under contract. So you moved fast in every single one. <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, I think on the flip side, you were able to take advantage of some, fantastic 30-year fixed rates on your rental properties. So, you know, that's definitely going for you on that. So mm-hmm. um, let's dig in. I, I One of the main topics that I wanted to chat about with you is kind of your, your experience um, between owning a single-family rental property and a multifamily rental property. And, sure. you know, just kind of the nuances between the two, cash flow, management, um, you know, anything that really sticks out to you, um, for our audience to learn from would be, would be great for you to share. 
Sure. And I think I think there we can start with cash flow. Uh, it's the simplest one. Mm-hmm. And as I think about that, it's sort of the obvious um, what you might anticipate, and that is the the multifamilies um, have had a tendency to cash flow a little bit better. Now, there are exceptions to that, and in certain neighborhoods, I've seen certain single-family neighborhoods, single-family home neighborhoods, the rents move up more quickly there. Um, so they're starting to actually get closer uh, to what the multis, um, you know, see, but uh, I would say across the board, it still is the case that cash flow is better in the multifamilies, um, and you know that will likely continue, albeit obviously interest rates and and uh, uh, purchase prices um, are fluctuating uh, right now. So mm-hmm. that will that will have an impact on all of that. But I would say, as a general rule those still apply and that is the multis um, have been have been the the better cash flow uh, instruments now if we then think about management and just the things that are necessary there I think one <laughs> of the key things to think about is in some cases you have multifamilies that have separate meters on every utility mm-hmm in many cases, you have separate utilities on certain uh, or on separate utilities um, for certain utilities, but then other things are common, like maybe sewer, water, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's typically in that case a, a little bit more management required simply by virtue of having to, <laughs> to bill back uh, for the the use uh, that the individual tenants um, are having in that case where there's not a meter. Um, So it's just a little bit more in terms of the paperwork, in terms of your uh, monthly. I use uh, property management for it, but I still have to go through it myself. I still go through Mm -hmm. it. I still uh, look at it, make sure that it makes sense. And certainly transitioning over when you acquire a property that's got some uh, pieces looking at the old lease and the new leases, et cetera, and, and the transition. Um, luckily, I've gotten past all that, but still, um, there are elements there that need to be managed. I think the other thing that um, I, I heard an investor say this once, and that is, um, and I thought it captured it well, when you think about a single-family um, rental tenant, they often want to look at this as this is their house. They can walk around that 360 degrees. They can plant flowers. It is their place, including the yard and everything. Whereas multifamily, there's a little bit different of a relationship with it, at least in, you know, in, in the typical, um, I guess, viewpoint of um, from, a, from a tenant's perspective. And that is they might not utilize the outdoors so much mm-hmm. they're really looking to you know live in their apartment and they park their car out front what i do find is that leads to a little bit more uh maintenance on the outside um that is necessary um and not the least of which is just even in the stairwells and things like that um having to to maintain that and and stay on top of it on a more regular basis 
uh, with the single families. I've been lucky enough that um, the tenants have taken really excellent care of the exterior of the property and, and also of the interiors. Um, but in the multis, there's I think there's that that group mentality type of thing that happens. It's sort of the idea you don't think it should happen, but if somebody opens their t- car door in the Walmart parking lot and a and a wrapper, a candy wrapper falls out, <laughs> do they lean over and, and, and pick it up or do they let it blow in the wind? And I think when it's a shared um, outside or something like that, there's a little bit more of a tendency to kind of let that, you know, drift in the wind. The other thing that is important to point out is oftentimes these multifamilies are have been built in an area where there's multiple multifamilies. So it mm-hmm. might even be the tenants in your building, you might take excellent care of the front. I really do sweat the details of the front and things like that. Um, but the place next door might be a little different. And then those, the sort of the, um, that relationship uh, with that exterior uh, that that the tenant has might be a little bit different. And so they might be a little bit uh, more lax or, or something like that. So I definitely have seen that. And, and it's something that is notable for anyone considering um, just because you're then needing to either take care of it yourself or pay um, on a regular basis to have someone go by um, and, you know, while it's not expensive, it's still the trip charge and so on and so forth. Um, I have certainly spent a lot more on landscaping and exterior of multis than I have on singles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that the points that you brought up are absolutely phenomenal. I think everyone who's interested in, in investing in multifamily, rewind and listen to what Garrett just said, because these are all points that I think really just kind of escape a lot of people's thought process and, and mine included. Like I'm a, I'm a new multifamily investor and the things that you mentioned, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. For everything. That, all of these. Yeah. yeah. Just things that I never, never thought of because they are sm- small things, but as you mentioned, they all add up yes. and it's just kind of interesting. So again, just like listen to what Garrett just said, because I think that, it's very, very important. Um, let's kind of talk about the, the exterior real quick. And I kind of yes. want to touch on some of the points that you made. So yes. um, so one of the things that I've noticed is one of my properties lends itself better to um, having those individual totes for trash yes. as opposed to the one big dumpster. Because I think what we all know happens for the one big dumpster is people are driving by and they're like, Oh, that's a great place to throw away a mattress or a couch or (laughs) a bike or something ridiculously large. And, you know, they probably don't even live there. So, um, I, I think that that's something that, um, in one of my buildings, I'm, I'm able to do the totes. The other one doesn't lend itself, um, just because of the driveway situation to the totes. So just kind of, you know, a little, little tip for anyone listening out there, um, that, the the trash is a pet peeve because it's totally a pet peeve of mine just dumping it really is and 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 if i think about um you know one of one of the multis thinking about when i acquired it okay so i talked about you know uh small pieces of trash 
What had happened at that property was just the natural collection of stuff out front. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. what we had was a multitude of bikes that were all locked to each other. They were rusted chains. No one was using them. But we also had two vehicles in that parking lot that just sat. And when we approached the tenants after, you know, we took it over, no one owned any of that. (laughs) And so we had to, you know, manage it out. And, And so we gave them all, you know, notice and said, hey, this is, we're going to be removing these items. If you, if they are yours, please claim them. Mm-hmm. No one claimed them when we removed them. And it's great because now none of that exists. Mm-hmm. But it it is one of those things that will, uh, if you don't stay on top of it, you know, if even if it's not your tenants, things will appear. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I, I have done the same uh, math you're talking about with, you know, the dumpster versus the totes. Um, and I agree, some properties lend themselves better to one versus the other. Um, totes, I think, are the better uh, thing for keeping that uh, sort of group mentality down where the, you know, people down the street are, are not tempted to kind of bring things and, and throw them out there. Um, but not all properties uh, lend themselves to that. So something to look at, I guess. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with kind of the way the the driveway or the pavement is. That, that was the differentiating, differentiating factor um, for, for ours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that like, you know, with the totes, you can assign unit one, two, three, four to that tote. That is their tote. You are responsible yeah. for it. But when you know, it, it's just like anonymous, um, you know, trash. We, we can't assign anything to it. Whereas for a single property, a single family property, if there is someone moves out and there's, you know, a, a couch left behind, it's their responsibility. It's yeah. clear as day. So I think it's just something that people need to think about um, as an added cost. Uh, and I don't even know how you could quantify it. Like sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And just kind of keep that in the back of your mind as a, you know, miscellaneous cost. Yeah. Um, and as you said, I think that, you know, you spend a lot of time buttoning up your property to the point where now it is managed. And I imagine that you have a lot less of those types of issues um, for upkeep. So, yeah. Um, And then another thing you touched upon is the utility situation. Um, Do you do build back on actuals or do you offer a flat fee? We actually do build back on actuals. Okay. Have you had any complaints um, about... Oh, you know, unit whatever is yeah. taking up too much water, or this, that, and the other. Luckily, no. Okay, um, and it, it has been it's been really peaceful in that regard. Uh, really, uh, folks have been um, have been very good about that, and I haven't seen a lot of um, sort of behavior that you know keeping the window open and the and the heat on. Not that you know, I we're we're kind of sticking our nose in the tenant's business all the time, but you, you know, you do have a tendency to stop by these places and, 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 uh, you're aware. So, um, but my experience, uh, thus far has been pretty good in that regard. That's great. That's kind of been my number one hesitancy to, well, first off, both, um, buildings that I I've bought one had zero utility 
buildback of any type, uh, <laughs> just like, yeah, not even conceived of. And then the other one, there's a lot of long-term tenants that have just had the flat fee. So I'm very scared to kind of rock the boat and do actuals um, for that one, just because, um, you know, like if people are budgeting their monthly expenses and they can expect X dollars in utilities every month, and then, you know, we have a large gas bill for the boiler, um, that could be kind of a surprise to some people, I think. When we first converted one of them, um, the fee that had been being charged was was across the board not enough. Mm-hmm. However, when we first moved it over, I think they saw, you know, in the summer months, they saw um, actually lower uh, bills um, for that. Um, but then as we got into the winter months and gas prices went up significantly at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they did move uh, quite a bit above the, uh, what they had been paying on a, on a monthly, not quite a bit above, I would say um, another 20 to 30% uh, relative to what they were paying. Um, but again, you know, thus far, not, not really any problems with that. Um, and we have had pretty good compliance in terms of, you know, just what we see in terms of the usage. Not all utilities are um, in in any of the buildings. Not all utilities, in, in my case, are um, are actually uh, built back. So there still are utilities that are in their name, um, which I think you know that that gives them a little bit more sense of I can manage this piece. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. Uh, well, that's that's inspiring <laughs> that you know people people adapted to that because yeah, this past winter, um, I'm definitely taking a uh, pretty big loss on uh, my gas and water. Um, it's definitely impacting the bottom line <laughs> quite a bit from the boiler systems. So, yeah, um, and then just touching upon cash flow overall, um, you know, being being uh, better for multifamily. Do you, do you think that a lot of that has to do with like economies of scale, meaning, you know, your taxes on the property, if you were to to do it on a per unit basis, for example, or even yeah. insurance, do you, do you feel like that um, helps a lot on your bottom line? Yeah, it really is the economy of scale, both, you know, um, from a purchase price per door uh, type of situation um, all the way to, you know, yes, I said we spend more on landscaping in, in, in the multis, but, you know, it is also distributed. Uh, and so I think it's, it's the economies of scale and managing and operating um, and also on the, on the purchase price per door. Yeah, yeah. So with your single families, you, you mentioned um, an interesting point. You said that you've noticed in some areas that the rents are rising at a faster rate than the multifamilies, for example. Yeah. Um, so how does that kind of uh, adjust your strategy, if at all, um, and just kind of your general thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it wasn't completely outside of anticipation in terms of, of one of the areas, but it has been, it has delivered in that way. It's not like we bet on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I didn't expect it at all to be quite what it was. I just knew that 
okay, that seems like there's a lot of good things going in there. Um, it's an area that's changing. So I think there's an opportunity there. Um, and so I, we've certainly seen that occur and we've, you know, been able to capitalize it on, uh, on it with the rents. Um, but so I think in terms of what that says to me for, uh, strategy is, is really just being very aware of rents in specific areas. I think as I compared other multifamilies later, um, for instance, I started noticing um, there were certain parts of town which I didn't really anticipate or didn't see showing those higher rents originally, but then through this transition, they were really cap capturing much better average rents. Um, so I think it's a it's an it's really more of a a thing that speaks to um, specific areas. Um, I am partial to to single families. Uh, if if the numbers make sense, it's mm -hmm. harder to make the numbers make sense there. But um, in the cases where the, where they do, if the area is good, I think that um, you know those are the kind of things that people should be looking for. Yeah, I I agree. And I know what I'm about to say is probably blasphemous, um, but I actually prefer single families to multifamilies as well. And I know, you know, the the general consensus is you're supposed to, you know, move from single family to duplex to fourplex to so on and so forth. And I just um I just kind of enjoy my single family um a little bit more. Like I just really don't think about them as much as I have to with my multifamily because yes. As you said, there's a shared living environment, so there's just more to attend to. Whereas um, I've noticed that even with my single-family tenants, um, they'll often fix small things themselves. Yes, you know, like a you know door hinge or you know small plumbing thing or something like that. It, it, I I don't expect my tenants to like you know they're welcome to call me um, if they if they need a maintenance um, request resolved. But I've noticed for the multis, um, I tend to get a lot more. Uh, maintenance requests. And I don't really think that, you know, they're necessarily like built any worse. I think it's just kind of um, the, uh, the attempt to repair um, is the different differentiating factor in that. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that as well. I have. And, and again, I'm thinking of uh, this one investor who, who uh, was mentioning sort of the walk around the, the single family, the, the same uh, in, in that same, uh, discussion he, he mentioned whereas in an apartment building the the outlook being oh yes there's a person down the hall with the tools that will come <laughs> when you know the faucets dripping or or something like that mm -hmm. and, and maybe that mindset prevails a little bit more um in in multis i haven't seen that significantly uh, to be the case in in my uh, specific cases, but we're talking about you know a small subset of the rentals, <laughs> and um, and it you know it certainly just depends on um, the tenants. I, I guess I've I've gotten very lucky in the sense that we have had some very you know we do have some very good tenants, and the one thing that I was curious about was in in the beginning was this idea of longevity of stay for multi versus um, single family. And I have not seen a big difference yet, um, at least in my experience. Same. Um, I've seen just as much 
movement in the single families as I have in the multis. And in fact, at this point in the multis, I feel like, you know, we're in good shape because we're, you know, we, we've got everyone on two year, uh, you know, the second, second year, et cetera, and some, you know, longer term uh, tenants, et cetera. So that actually um, has not necessarily played out that there's just this uh, sort of revolving door. But I also think, and I'm anticipating is probably the case for you as well, is, you know, we really do try to give these people a pretty good place to live and, mm-hmm. and at a reasonable rent. And, um, you know, they're in really good, nice shape. They've got a nice amenities. Uh, we've tried to improve the amenities and things like that. And so I think that that tends to keep people um, wanting to stick around a little bit longer. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's how we operate too. We want people to enjoy where they live um, yeah. and try try to do everything that we can. But yeah, I, I I found the exact same again. Very small population sample size, um, but I, I found the same thing. We have several tenants in our in our multis that have been there for years and years and years. Like you know multiple ownership changes and those tenants have, have remained. And um, we have a couple of uh, single family homes, kind of the same, same situation. So yeah, I think, I think what you hit on is a good point that, you know, just provide good living space and, you know, people's lives happen around them. And, you know, if they like where they live, they'll stay. And if, you know, something changes, they'll, they'll head out. But Yeah. And and I think one of the benefits to multifamily is the obvious. If you have four units and one person is leaving and leaving that unit vacant, you don't have just an idle building, an idle property. You have three quarters full still. So you're, you know, you're not probably cash flowing at that point, but you're at least holding yourself afloat um, on that. So that is a huge benefit because as we all know, with single families, once that person leaves all the operating costs fall on the owner to, you know, maintain until they're able to get that new tenant in. So, yep. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I'm with you on that. I, it's funny that I don't, I don't know if it's just because, um, that's what I'm used to is, is a single family over the multis. I might change my mind in, you know, a few years or so, but you know, I, I I'm with you. I think I like the singles, um, better, but as, as you mentioned, it's, you know, the, the price to rent ratio is just, is getting harder and harder with single family homes to the point where, you know, it hardly ever makes sense nowadays to just do a traditional long-term rental, um, at least in Colorado Springs, you know? Um, yeah. So just with the interest rates and the purchase price is not dipping, um, you know, kind of holding the same It's just, yeah, it's tight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, do you have anything else that you'd want to share um, to our audience just as they start to, you know, anyone who's maybe on the fence about investing or, you know, starting to get their ducks in a row, getting lending in place, that sort of thing. What could you share with new investors? Yeah, I guess, I, you know, what I would say is, is it's important to get started um, but I don't say that in a way where anyone should um, suffer any kind of FOMO, mm-hmm. uh, because I think that's the last thing you want to do is be in a rush and therefore put yourself in a situation that you're, you know, that you'll regret in, in, in the future. However, what I do think it means is analyzing a lot of 
feels um, and knowing what you, you know, you're comfortable living with. And it may be, okay, you know, this is not going to cash flow amazingly. Um, let's face it, good cash flow is still a small drop in the big uh, bucket. I'm mm-hmm. not saying be irresponsible. What I'm saying is just take it in the context that it's that it is in terms of and have reserves have reserves, make sure you have reserves uh, when you get into this and then look at, analyze a lot of deals. And if, you know, if you are seeing things that are hitting your criteria, then start to take those steps uh, moving forward and don't, don't sit and have analysis paralysis and, and doubt. At the same time, make sure that you keep yourself away from FOMO and uh, rushing through something. Um, I think the market has changed a little bit. So that is certainly in people's favor. Um, you know, I have experienced uh, certainly uh, very crowded markets where, you know, hours, uh, <laughs> you know, meant everything in terms of offers. And I don't think that's where we're at necessarily right now. And so that's something that people, if they are on, you know, sitting on the fence and looking, can really, you know, take advantage of is is the fact that it is a slightly different market right now in that regard. Um, and therefore, they should have that time to be able to analyze uh, multiple things and look at different strategies. Um, but once you once you get, you know, once you eye that right thing, and you've, you've done the math, then I would say, you know, it makes sense to, to get started, it may not be a home run, um, but my experience is, you know, there are, there's only a few home runs, right? <laughs> uh, you know, ga- games are won on base hits and doubles. So absolutely. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more on that. And just, I don't think there's ever such a thing as a perfect property. Um, yeah. every single property that I've bought, there's been some little, you know, instance of, you know, oh, I'm not a big fan about this. Or I'm not a big fan about that, but I am very happy with our portfolio. So it's just kind of, yeah. yeah, I think that's the name of the game with real estate, right? Like you, it's all about trade-offs, price versus, you know, features, location, that sort of thing. So yeah, I think that keeping, keeping that in the back of my, of your mind is that, like you said, if it's a base hit and this is your first property, like that may be good enough, you know, to, to move forward or at least put an offer in, um, you know, at least try, um, to do it. And I think that's kind of how you get momentum and confidence to keep going. And, you know, um, I'm sure, I'm sure as you've noticed that, you know, your, you know, earlier properties versus your later properties probably were, um, a little bit more paralyzing, but I think you moved up in complexity too. So it's just kind of, interesting um you know how that works and the repetition that goes into it and yeah um you're more easily able to figure out what your deal breakers are um that way as well too (laughs) so i think that was that great great advice so um anything else that you would like to share you think that anyone you know may want to know or i think those are the key things i think we yeah you know, hit the the big ones that I was thinking of, and and uh, so I think everyone should uh, give it a give it a look for certain because uh, I, I think it is a you know it's a good good uh, way of investing. 
is uh, long-term rentals and short-term rentals, medium-term rentals. So. Yep, with a long-term outlook. With an, with a long-term. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Garrett, thank you so, so much for, for coming on and sharing your experience and, and giving advice to newer inv- investors. I, I really appreciate the time that you took to, to come out and share that. And um, we'll, we'll have to catch you catch you again and get you on the podcast a little bit later. That sounds good. Uh, happy to be here. And, and thank you for the invitation. Thanks, everyone. Great to speak with you, Jenny. <laughs> Thanks, Garrett.